Psalm 108. My heart, O God, is steadfast. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Save us and help us with your right hand, that those you love may be delivered. God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph, I will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet, Judah is my scepter. Moab is my wash, ba 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 ah. Moab is my wash basin, and Edom I toss my sandal. On Eden I toss my sandal. Over Philistia I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, God, who, you who have rejected us and no longer go out with our armies? Give us, an aid, give us aid against the enemy, for human help is worthless. With God we will gain the victory, and he will trample down our enemies. Okay, we're back together. Right, so, um, can we have hands up? Some answers of what do these three songs have in common? Danny. Oh, you're just about there, really. Actually, even simpler, they are all cover versions. It's a nice, easy one, this one. So, yeah, so... Um, um, extra points of view, who did so? Adele, Mickey, Female Love, who did that originally? Noah? Bob Dylan. How'd you do that? Um, Jeff Buckley, Hallelujah, who did that originally? Leonard Cohen, yes. And then The Muppets, Bohemian Rhapsody. Queen. Well done, Queen. Okay. So now, why on earth did I start off with that quiz? Party to pass out the sheets, which is nice. But also, um, the psalm we're looking at today, Psalm 108, could, at least in some ways, be described as a cover version. If I was younger and hipper, I would say it samples other psalms, but I don't really know what that means. So Psalm 108 is a reworking of two previous psalms. Every verse in this psalm has already been recorded for us in the book of Psalms. So Psalm 57, 7 to 11 is verses 1 to 5, and verse 6 to 13 comes from Psalm 60. So this is a psalm that all the words have been recorded somewhere else for. It's been pieced together from two previous psalms. And both Psalms 57 and 60, they are both quite mournful psalms. They start off sad. They're psalms of lament, scholars somebody say. They're psalms that say, how long, Lord? Why is this happening? Help us, God. We cannot cope. But they end on a really positive note. And Psalm 108, what it does, it stitches the positive endings of both those psalms together to give us a new psalm for God's people to sing. And it's a psalm, it's a song of great joy and confidence in God. And specifically, it's a, it's a psalm of confidence in God on the eve of a great battle. The psalm 108 is a psalm intended to be sung as God's people prepare to face their enemies in battle. This is a psalm for the battlefield. Now, for God's people in the Old Testament, they were the people of ancient Israel, and the enemy they're preparing to face seems to be the forces of Edom. That's verse 10. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? This was a hostile nation and um, to the south of Judah. And from verse 9, the, the, the forces of Edom may have been allied to the forces of Moab, also to the south, and to Israel's old enemies, the Philistines. That's the reference to Philistia. 
But whoever the precise enemies God's people are facing here, the psalmist sings this song to assure them they have nothing to fear from the battle. Why not? Because the living God is with them. And with him on their side, they will gain the victory over their enemies. Look how the psalm ends in verse 13. With God, we shall gain the victory and he will trample down our enemies. It's a song of joy and confidence, this cover version. And that all sounds great if you're an ancient Israelite soldier the night before a battle. But what does a psalm like Psalm 108 have to say to us today, living in the 21st century? None of us is about to go into battle in the days ahead, I presume. What's this psalm got to say to us? Well, actually, this psalm has an important message to tell us. And it's this. If you're a Christian here today, you are about to go into battle in the days to come. Psalm 108 reminds us of a vital truth that we are all too quick to forget. The Christian life is a spiritual battle. And if you follow Jesus, you're involved in spiritual warfare from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. The Bible assures us of that truth from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation. The world we live in is a spiritual war zone, and every single one of us is called to pick a side. See, either we are fighting on God's side, following the lead of Jesus Christ, or we're fighting against God, enslaved by the devil and the forces of darkness. There's no neutral ground. We have to pick a side. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul puts it like this in Ephesians 6, writing to Christians. He describes the Christian life as this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul says, this battle is real. Make no mistake. You have enemies, Christians, and they are out to get you. We cannot win this battle without God's help and without God's armor. The Christian life is a spiritual battle. And I think that's really important for us to remember because that, that really explains to us why if you're a Christian here today, it is hard sometimes to follow Jesus. It is hard to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It doesn't come naturally to us. It's hard to love your neighbor as you love yourself because naturally we just love ourselves. The reality of spiritual battle said that actually, this is gonna be a struggle sometimes. We're gonna to struggle to care more about what God thinks of us than what other people think of us. We care more about what other people think of us naturally. We're gonna to struggle to pray, to keep talking to God throughout the day. We're gonna actually act as if he's not there. We're gonna to struggle to truly forgive someone who hurts us. We're gonna to struggle to truly love the people closest to us rather than just see what we can get out of them. All that points to the spiritual battle we are in. We have enemies and even our own hearts betray us in this battle. It's a pretty sobering reality that we live in the middle of a spiritual war. But actually, if, if that kind of frightens you or brings you down, come back to Psalm 108, because this is a psalm where the psalmist isn't frightened about the battle to come. No, it's a psalm of great confidence in God as we do battle in his name. The psalmist isn't sitting around feeling scared, imagining, oh, what's God's enemies going to do to me now? No, the psalmist is singing God's praises 
ahead of going into battle in God's strength with the goal of defeating God's enemies. See, Psalm 8 is a real gift to us because it reminds us of the great purpose we have in the Christian life in this spiritual battle. Because in the Bible, spiritual warfare is not all about God's people being on the defensive. Oh, no, no, the the enemy's going to come and get us. No, actually, it's spiritual warfare in the Bible is about God enlisting us and equipping us to fight for him in his great cause. Here's how one writer puts it. He says, spiritual warfare is what happens when God enlists us in his cause and equips us to join his battle. It's about light invading darkness. And I love this statement. We are God's invading army and we are on the attack. We are bringing light into a dark world. The children of light, the army of light, the servants of light are on the offensive. Again, and when Christians talk about spiritual warfare, often we sound frightened. Oh, spiritual warfare. But actually, Psalm 108 says, no, if God is with us, who can stand against us? We have an amazing purpose in this world to bring God's light to people living in darkness through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through telling them all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has done for us. God wants his ordinary weak people to bring his light into a dark world. He enlists us in his cause. He equips us in his cause. So as we look briefly at this psalm together, I want us all to be thinking these questions. If you're a Christian here this morning, where is your front line in the battle? Who are the people God is calling you to bring his light to? That's what the battle's all about, bringing God's light into darkness. It could be the people in your family, your husband, your wife, your parents, your your children. It could be your neighbors on your street. It could be your work colleagues, your close friends. It could be people in Clarendon Park or Ayers-Monsell or Wigston or Oadby or Great Glen or anywhere else. But as we look at this psalm now, this is a song given to God's people to strengthen our hearts for the battle. So as we look at the, the truths here, I want you to ask, Lord, what part do you want me to play in bringing your light into this world this week in the places you put me in and the people you placed in my life? So with all that, let's just have a quick look at this short psalm, Psalm 108. Looking at, first of all, verses 1 to 5. And again, hopefully we've seen this already when Nathan read to us. The psalm begins with real joy and confidence in the Lord. Verse 1, the psalmist says his heart is steadfast. He's full of courage here. These are bold and joy-filled words. Verse 2, awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. There's real swagger about the psalmist here. He's going, actually, if if it's dark, I'm going to wake the sun up because I am going to praise my God. Verse 3, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. It's a song for all peoples everywhere. He refuses to keep the song to himself. He wants everyone, even the nations around Israel, even the nations they're going to be fighting against, to listen in to his song of praise to God. So what is the psalmist showing us here about spiritual warfare? I think this first section, he says, we fight for Jesus in this world by praising God with everything that we are. That's verses one to five. We fight by praising God. God. Actually, this psalm shows that praise of God is one of the most powerful weapons we have 
in the spiritual battle we live in. And we need to hear that because if we're honest, praising God does not come naturally to us. Ever since our ancestors first rejected God, rebelled against him, our hearts are naturally cold towards God. We're blind to who God is and what he's done for us. Left to our own devices, actually, we grumble against God rather than praise him. So we've got a problem with God, but also we've got a problem just the fact we live in a fallen world where there are so many causes not to praise, but to despair. Lil and I drove to the shop yesterday and thought, oh, let's listen to the radio for a change. Man, it was depressing. It was just the news, just was just constant. The cost of living crisis was the headline. Celebrities found dead in their homes. The ongoing war in Ukraine, crisis in leadership in this country and others. And when you listen to the news, the assumption you get is, guys, we're on our own here. Everything's going a bit wrong and we're on our own. And of course, if that's all we're hearing from the world around us, we're never going to want to praise God. But actually, that's why we need God's word. We need Psalms like Psalm 108. Because in verses 1 to 5, the psalmist isn't just feeling a bit optimistic. He's not being naive about life in a fallen world. No, the reason the psalmist can be bold and joyful is not because of anything he's done, but because of what God has done, who God is, and his love and faithfulness towards us. I want to say that, that, that when we sing God's praises, it sounds like maybe a nice twee thing to do. Well, that's what nice Christians do. Actually, every time we sing God's praises, it's an act of defiance. It's an act of defiance in this world saying, actually, in spite of everything going on, I'm going to trust in God's love and faithfulness. I'm going to trust that he is bigger than the enemies that frighten me. I'm going to trust that he knows what he is doing and he is enlisting me into the battle. In verse 4, listen again to how God's love and faithfulness are described. Verse 4, for great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. It's like they're so vast, so high above us, that we can know for certain God will never let us down in the heat of the battle. If you like, in the battle, God's love and faithfulness are our air support. They're the things that swoop in and rescue us when we need it. Um, Lil Noah and I finally went to see Top Gun Maverick a few weeks ago. Um, it's great. Noah, Noah didn't like it, but you know, it, it was Lil and my date night and he had to come. Um, but, um, but that idea of air support, that the force that wins is the force with the best air support. And our air support is God's love and his faithfulness. God's love is higher than the heavens, the psalmist says. He's given us the most precious gift of all. He's given us himself. God fights for us because he loves us us and his faithfulness reaches to the skies he will never leave us or forsake us he will not give up on us he will fight for us and alongside us until the very end says the psalmist and because of his love and faithfulness nothing the world can throw at us can knock his purposes off course his love and faithfulness are outside the reach of anything the enemy can do so as we go into battle as the psalmist goes into battle he is singing songs of praise, knowing we are loved by God. His love will never let us go. God is always good. His purposes for us are good. He is right there with us. That is why the psalmist can praise God. So actually, I wonder, how is your praise life, your worship life this summer? 
Summer for many of us is a time when, when routines are kind of different and that's lovely, but often that means some of those rhythms that we get into of spending time with the Lord, maybe of, of listening to his word, we kind of fall out of that. But I want to say that's not just a luxury, praising God. It's not just something you do when life is good. We praise God even when life is bad because we're going, God, I'm going to remember who you are in this. I'm going to remember your love and your faithfulness. I'm going to sing and make music to you. One of the things for me over lockdown was just suddenly music became even more precious when we couldn't sing together. Listening to God's word, listening to truth in song strengthens our hearts. And we need to praise because it's a weapon in this battle. And in the next little section, verses six to nine, we learn the next weapon we have is we fight by listening to God's word, by listening to God's voice. It's an exciting noise. But yet, how can the psalmist talk about God's love and faithfulness with any confidence? Verse seven tells us. Verse seven has these simple words, God has spoken. Really simple idea, but it makes all the difference to how we live in this world. God has spoken. He is there and he is not silent. God hasn't left us in the dark to guess sort of blindly what he might be like. No, when God enlists us into the battle, he equips us for the battle by telling us who he is and how much we can rely on him. And God's word to us in the Bible has the power to change us and strengthen us for the fight. If we're not listening to God, we are going to get weak for the battle. Again, after that bold praise of verses 1 to 5, verse 6 is the first direct request the psalmist makes of God. Verse 6, he says, save us and help us with your right hand that those you love may be delivered. So the reference to God's right hand, that's a reference to his strength. Again, we cannot fight on our own strength. We need God to strengthen us, God to fight for us. And why does God fight for us? Because he loves lost people. Verse, verse six, he has compassion on them so that those you love may be delivered so that light will be brought into a dark world so the lost people will be set free from sin and death and the devil. They will, they will hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus as we live and speak among them. And that's why God enlists us into his cause. Again, that question, what is your front line? Who are the people God has placed in your life? You might have asked God for different people. But actually, the people he's placed in your life are there because God loves them. And he loves them more even than you do. And he calls on you to love them too. So again, how can you show the love of Jesus to the people around you even this week? How can you seek to show them Jesus through your words and through your deeds? See, to equip us for the battle, we need to listen to God's word to us. Because if we're on our own, we don't have much hope but we're not on our own. That is the beating heart of this psalm. We are not on our own. Look at verses seven to nine. It's a bit that Nathan sort of almost apologized in advance for. It's a, it's a weird set of phrases. I think Moab is my wash basin is the title of Stephen Fry's autobiography. And um, Lily would like to do an album with that title as well. Um, but yeah, it's a weird set of images. But what is going on here? Well, actually, this is full of good news for God's people when we plumb a bit deeper. So verse seven here. In triumph, says God, I will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah is my scepter. Now, as those names are, are flying around, we shouldn't miss the point. What God is telling us here is, I will win the battle in the end. 
and I'll win it through my people. So Gilead, Manasseh, Ephraim, Judah, these are all tribes and territories belonging to the God of Israel. God is committed to, to winning the battle through his people as we listen to and learn from Jesus in the fight. Judah is my scepter, the psalmist says. That points us forward to Jesus, a descendant of Judah, the greatest king the world has ever known, the servant king who leads us into battle and shows us how to fight the forces of darkness, how to love the people around us. And verse nine is just a great put down for all God's enemies. Moab is my wash basin. See, if you were an ancient Israelite, the thought of Moab would keep you up at night. The Moabites are going to attack. This is terrifying. God go, I just like scoop them up and splash my face with it. And on Edom, I toss my sandal. That's a really insulting gesture in the ancient world. You can insert your own gesture if you wish. But what God is saying here is, I don't care. I am not frightened about Edom. I'm not frightened by the things that frighten you, my people. Instead, they're frightened of me. I am stronger than all the strong enemies around you, my people. You can rely on me. I will win this battle and I will use you to do it. Now again, Moab, Edom, the Philistines, those aren't our enemies today. The big picture enemies every Christian has, they are sin, death, and the devil. But when we're frightened of those things, and we often are, rightly, because we're weak in comparison, but God is telling us here, sin, death, the devil, they do not frighten him. They will not have the last word. The last word belongs to Jesus, who has triumphed over sin, death, and the devil at the cross and at the empty tomb. And he shares his victory with us. So in the midst of the battle, when we feel discouraged, when we doubt we can keep going on, we, we fight by listening to God's word, by having our eyes opened to who God is. And the psalm ends with a beautiful truth that we fight by depending on God's strength instead of our own. Again, we said, actually, this is a real psalm of confidence. But actually, at first glance, verses 10 to 11 feels like a sudden change of mood in the psalm, a sudden moment of doubt, even. Verse 10 to 11, who will lead, bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, God, you who have rejected us and no longer go out with our armies? You see, up to this point, the psalmist is brimming with confidence for the battle ahead. So why this sudden moment of doubt towards the end? Well, I want to say this is actually a healthy moment of doubt. Because the psalmist is honestly facing up to the fact, God, if you don't go with us, if you don't fight for us, we are going to lose. If you don't fight for us, no victory we will win will be actually worth anything in the light of eternity. Apart from you, God, we can do nothing. If you don't show up, God, we're lost. And that's a conviction we all need to grow in. Again, as a church, we can do loads of activities. We've mentioned some of them already. The fun day, we've got um, autumn, various teams going to be starting up again. We're back at Avenue Primary School. There's loads that feels like we do in our own strength. But we need that conviction God, if you don't show up, if you don't help us, if you're not at work by your spirit, none of this is going to amount to anything. So please, Father, give us aid against the enemy, verse 12, for human aid is worthless. 
Our confidence has to be in God, not in ourselves. And we need to ask God to help us. And once the psalmist has admitted his own weakness and need, he can finish the psalm with the same note of confidence in God he began with. Verse 13, with God we shall gain the victory and he will trample down our enemies. See, what does it look like to depend on God's strength instead of our own? Well, I think it's a challenge and it's an invitation. The challenge is, are you really going to trust that God has got what it takes to bring us through? Because often we've got little insurance policies all around him. It doesn't work out. Well, I'll think of something. Do we really trust that God is as strong as Psalm 100 says he is? But also, do we take the invitation of this song? This song is basically screaming at us. Come on, join me in the fight. Because this God is worth fighting for. And you're going to discover a God who is awesome and loving and faithful. And you're going to see him do amazing things. I'm always struck by the words of Jesus in John 15, verse 5. Maybe famous words to many of us. But speaking to his disciples, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And the question Psalm 108 leaves us with here is, well, do we believe Jesus? Do we believe Jesus, first of all, that apart from him we can do nothing? That actually, what we just said, that, that without his strength, anything we do will not be of lasting effect in this world. I'm sort of a slightly depressive um, Celt. I kind of get that part. Yeah, apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah, because, yeah, let's be honest, it's not good in my telling, is it? But actually, Jesus doesn't let me sit in my depressiveness. He also says, if you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. What does it mean to bear fruit? Partly it means to bear the fruit of the Spirit, to be made more like Jesus, love, joy, peace, patience. Also means fruit of lives transformed by Jesus through trusting the gospel. Again, there's a challenge and invitation here. You will bear much fruit if you remain in me. What are we going to do with that invitation? Are we going to say, I just don't quite believe that? Are we going to go, Lord, with my trembling heart full of doubt? I'm going to take you to your word. I'm going to ask you to bear much fruit through me, through our church family, through the front lines where you call me to serve you. Psalm underneath is given to us in the Psalter, this cover version of two different Psalms, to give us joy and confidence in the fight. It reminds us that the Christian life's a spiritual battle. If you find the Christian life hard, you're actually meant to. <laughs> I often think I'm just doing it wrong. But actually, no, the Christian life is hard. We're in a battle. We don't see our enemy. Often they're invisible. We imagine we're just on our own. It's all down to us. But no, the Christian life is a battle. And that's why we need to trust in Jesus and his finished work on the cross every day of our lives. But also, in the Christian life, God enlists and equips us to bring his light into a dark world. Actually, if you're a Christian here today, God has given you an amazing purpose. You're not just sitting around waiting for heavens or just filling in time. Actually, God has enlisted you and equipped you to bring his light into a dark world. 
as you live for Jesus, as you speak for Jesus, as you love others in his name. On whatever front line he's placed you in, with whatever people he has placed in your life. And we need to say, Lord, where is my front line? Who are the people? And help me to love them. Help me to serve them. Help me to speak for you with them when I have opportunity. And I think the final thing for this psalm is just with God, we shall gain the victory. Actually, the end point is not in doubt, says the psalmist. He said, if you don't fight with us, Lord, fight for us, we're, we're lost. But then he goes, actually, but with God, we shall gain the victory. We are on the winning side. Not because of who we are or anything we have done, but because of who Jesus is and all that he has done for us. The victory he has won for us at the cross and the resurrection. That is where our confidence comes from. That is where we can learn how to sing a song like Psalm underneath with boldness and joy and confidence, even in the midst of the fight, because of who Jesus is and all that he has done for us and shared with us. We're going to be taking bread and wine in a moment to remember Jesus' victory over sin and death, a victory we did not win. He won it and he shares it with us. And as we do that, we're going to sing a few songs first. But as we do that, I want us to keep this closing statement in Psalm underneath in our minds. With God, we shall gain the victory and he will trample down our enemies. Our enemies are sin and death, the things that seem too big for us. They're not too big for him. As we take bread and wine, we remember the victory he has won. Let me pray for us. Let's, let's pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord, feeling our weakness, knowing that left to our own devices, probably very few of us would have written a psalm like this this morning. Maybe very few of us feel excited and confident for the challenges ahead. But Lord, by your Holy Spirit's work, please would, having spent this time in your word, would you just be at work in each one of our lives, giving us great confidence in your strength, great confidence in your love and your faithfulness, great confidence that with you we shall gain the victory, that if you are for us, Lord God, no one can stand against us. Lord, keep us from thinking we can do this in our own strength. Keep us from despairing. If we doubt, you're able to help us. Instead, Lord, open our eyes to you and draw us close to you, your love, your faithfulness, your grace in the days ahead. For Jesus' sake, we ask it. Amen.